can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Father, thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. It is quick and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. And so, Father, I step back so the Spirit of God can use me to articulate the word of God in such a way that, Father, it will fall on good ground. I thank you, Father, that today, as your word goes forth, it is going to tear down strongholds. Father, it is going to build our faith. And, Lord, I thank you that our lives will never be the same after having heard the word of truth. And I declare in the mighty name of Jesus for signs, miracles, and wonders to follow your word because Jesus always, uh, he always confirms the word by signs following in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, as we approach a new year, uh, it is critical, say critical. It is critical that you and I make some attitude adjustments right now. You know, one thing about an attitude, it's, it's, it's like almost a virus. It's contagious. And if we're going to have a better 2021, you and I need to start making some attitude adjustments in 2020. And it's so easy to maintain a negative mindset, especially if the current year has not gone according to plan. I've gotten so many different uh, testimonies from members, but I've also received certain challenges from members. One of our members who've been working for a company for over 20 years is now getting, uh, I guess not laid off, but, but pretty much saying, hey, we, we don't want to use your services anymore after 20 years. So uh, if things have not gone according to plan, how many know God still has a plan? Amen. I heard a story about a pastor who was making some rounds to see some of his members, and he was doing this uh, on a bicycle. And he came across a little boy who was selling a lawnmower. And so uh, the preacher said, well, how much is your lawnmower? And the little boy said, well, he said, what are you going to do with the money? He says, well, I'm going to take the money from the sale of the lawnmower and I'm going to uh, purchase me a bicycle. And so, you know, the pastor thought for a minute. He said, well, you know what? I'll trade you my bicycle for your lawnmower. And so the little boy thought about it. And he says, well, can I do a test ride on it before I commit to it? So the, the pastor said, okay. And so the little boy jumps on the bicycle and he rides it around for a few minutes. And then he, he comes back and he says, mister, you got a deal. And so the preacher took the lawnmower and he began to try to crank it. And uh, he pulled the string a few times and no response from the lawnmower. And so finally the preacher said to the little boy, he says, hey, I, I can't get this mower started. 
And the little boy said, well, uh, what you have to do is you have to cuss at it. He said, what do you mean? He says, you have to cuss at the lawnmower. He said, well, you know, I've been a Christian and I've been a minister for years. And uh, I don't even remember how to cuss anymore. He says, well, if you keep yanking on that string, it'll come back to you. <laughs> well, sometimes when we've experienced negative situations consistently, what happens is it can put us in a mode where you and I will start back with old ways, old thoughts, old habits, and old ways of speech. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to look in Genesis chapter 11, and then we're going to go to Genesis 13, because what I want to do is teach you today, and if you're taking notes, the message title is to start looking ahead. Start looking ahead. In Genesis chapter 11, and we're going to look at the life of of Abraham and I'm going to show you one of the things that Abraham did to stay in faith. This is almost like uh, a sequel to last week's message about hope. In Genesis 11 what we're going to do is we're going to read the story and then I'm going to point out to you what Abraham did to start looking ahead. In Genesis 11:27, I'm reading out of the King James it says this now, these are the generations of Terah. Now, let me stop here. Terah was Abraham's or Abram's dad, okay? So now, what it's about to do is give us all the children or boys that Terah, Abraham's dad, had. So it says, Terah begot Abram and Nahor and Haran and, or Haran and then, he, and then Haran begot Lot. Lot was Abraham's nephew. Watch verse 28. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. So right here is Abraham's brother died before, uh, before his son did. So his son was Lot. Verse 29. And Abram and Nahar took them wives, and the name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And the name of Nahar's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Ishkah. Verse 30. Watch this now. But Sarah was barren, and she had no child. Now, I want you to pay attention to that, because this is one of the negative things that Abraham was experiencing. Look in verse 31. And Terah took Abraham his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarah his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they all went forth from Ur of Chaldees, or Chaldees, to go into the land of Canaan. And they came into Haran and dwelt there. So here's the picture. Abraham's dad, named Terah, took everybody with him and what they, they were on their way to Canaan. Now Canaan was the promised land. So he had everybody with him except for the son that died. Watch now verse 32. And the days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died. Watch where he died. He died in Haran. So he never made it to the promised land. Now we're going to Genesis chapter 12. Because I wanted you to see the picture now. So Genesis 12 now verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your kindred, from your father's house, and I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you. 
and I will make of you, Abram, a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Verse 4. So Abram did what? He departed as the Lord had said to him. He departed. Everybody say, he departed. He departed. And then watch this. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old. So now we see Terah dies. Abram, God speaks to him now and says, hey, listen, I want you to leave your father, leave your mother, leave all your family, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you where I want you to go. So then Abraham starts, the, starts walking because a lot of times when God speaks, we sit. The, the scripture says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. It didn't say the step. Sometimes we want to take one step and say, okay, Lord, what do I do? He, he's telling you in the Martin voice, get the stepping. Right? So now Genesis 13 is where we get our text and where we get the, the, the topic of our, 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 our uh, message today. Look at now in Genesis 13, verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after that lot was separated from him. And I'll explain what happened there. He says, now I want you to notice it says that God spoke after lot was separated. Because there's some things that God wants to say to you. You just got the wrong people in your life right now. Oh, you're waiting on direction, but you, you're with the wrong man. Do you know the wrong person can keep you from what God has for you? So here it was. God spoke to Abraham after Lot was separated. He says, lift up your eyes and look, watch this now, look from the place where you are, north, south, east, and west. And then he says in verse 15, for all the land which you see, to you I will give it and to your seed. And I will make your seed as the dust of the earth so that a man, if he's, uh, can number the dust and then verse 17 says arise walk through the land the length of it and the breadth of it for I'm going to give it to you so this is what he said to Abraham he said Abraham listen I want you to look from where you are and I want you to look to where I'm calling you to go so here's point number one if you're taking notes and that is we you and I if we're gonna now if we're gonna look forward if we're gonna move into 2021 with a more positive attitude and if we're gonna do it in faith we have to look from and not at. He told Abraham I need you to look from where you are and look to where I'm taking you. So point number one is we need to look from and not at. See, God told Abraham to look where he was, look from where he was and start looking, watch this now, at where he had promised. And here's the thing. Sometimes difficulty can last so long that we start, listen, staring at what has happened instead of looking from where we are. What, listen, here's the thing. Abraham could have just stood still and said, God, there's too much going on. I, I, I can't see where you're going because what we did not read are all the things that happened to Abraham between Genesis 11 to Genesis 14. Listen, he ran into a famine. Everybody say that's negative. Yeah, he ran into a famine. What else happened? Well, 
well, that threatened his livelihood. And then in Egypt, he ran across this Pharaoh, and this Pharaoh wanted his wife. Because Abraham lied and said, hey, she's my sister because he didn't want to die because she was a good-looking lady. So he says, okay, she's my sister. So this Pharaoh said, hey, go get her. I want to marry her. So here it is. He went through a famine. He almost lost his wife and almost lost his life. And then here it is, his wife that God had said, hey, I'm going to give you seed that looks like the dust of the earth. His wife is now too old to even be in childbearing. Now, God, here's what's interesting. This is almost like COVID. But God prospered Abraham. The Bible says that he had, God had given him lots of sheep and lots of cattle. So God prospered him in the midst of difficulty. And I see that right now in, uh, in, our, uh, in where we are in our world today. You have some, listen, one person said, Pastor, I'm doing great. And the other person over here said, Pastor, I need help. So you have some people, I mean, think about this. Who would have thought in 2019 that those who made facial masks were going to be rich? How many have never worn a mask before COVID? Never wore one, never wore one. I'm not a doctor, so I, I, I ain't wore no mask. Here it is. We have companies that were, you know, they were supplying it to the medical industry. Now, somebody is sitting on the beach in their beach house because of masks. So here it is. Abraham had all these difficult things that were happening to him. And so what God said, hey, listen, here's what I want you to do. I need you, Abraham, to look from where you are to where, you, to where I'm calling you to be. New Living Translation of Jeremiah 29. I want to read this to you because sometimes regardless of what's going on in our life, we forget that God is still on the throne. He still has all power and he still has a plan that is going to bless our lives. Amen. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this in the New Living Translation. For I know, this is God talking, I know the plans that I have for you. God has some plans for you. I'm going to say that again. God has some plans for you. He says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for what class? Come on, read it. What does it say? Plans for good and not for disaster. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Verse 12. And in those days, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So listen, regardless of what has happened to you in 2020, God still has a plan for your life, and that plan is good. And what I've discovered is that most Christians are fearful of the plan of God. And this is why a lot of people don't trust God wholeheartedly. Because they're like, well, I don't know what he's going to do. You, should, you, look, you don't need to know what he's going to do. He's already told you what he's going to do is good. Say amen to that. His plans are good. And God loves you and I too much to keep us trapped in a negative world and keep us trapped under negative circumstances. He loves us too much. His plan for our life is still good. And see, here's the thing. 
Sometimes it depends because if our lives are connected to other people and those people are making decisions that impact us, just like this member, here it is. They were working for this company for 20 years and someone at the top decided, hey, we want to release people at this level. One of our members doing the food drive told me, Pastor, I've been married for years and during COVID it ended up with a divorce. Well, listen, your path may have changed, but God's plan didn't. Oh, I'm going to say that again. See, sometimes, regardless of what's going on, the path may change because sometimes the path depends on other people. Sometimes that path depends on where they are. But God's not going to hold us hostage to someone else's plan if it does not fit into, watch this, good for our life. So the path may change, but the plans don't change. God specializes in working bad things out for our good. Romans 8.28 says this, For we know that all things work together for good. And it's only for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Listen to the Living Bible. It says this. And we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God and are fitting unto his plans. Let me say it like this. Let me say it like this. If God works all things together for our good, then that means some of the things that I'm experiencing might not be good. But if he works it together for my good, then really nothing bad happens to me. Oh, y'all didn't get that, did you? You didn't get that. Listen, if he works all things together for my good, then that means regardless of what happens, it might look bad, but it's going to end up good because he's the one that's going to make it work together for good. Say amen to that. And you may be saying, well, Pastor Edmund, I right now where my life is, I got too much going on and, and, and here's what I've discovered is the times that we need to trust God, we don't. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, I remember, everybody said years ago. Years ago, and God made it clear to me, I knew I was not going to stay here in Texas to work when I was out of college. I but I didn't know where I was going. And so I ended up with like three or four different job interviews. And how many know that you typically take a job based on how much it pays? Right? Most of the time. Well, uh, that's what I was looking at. I mean, when you in college, you broke. In fact, you have, you, I don't know how they do it, but they don't check your credit score to give you student loans. I don't understand that. You, you can have no credit and they give you hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of school loans. I'm like, wow, why do you need my credit to give me a credit card then? Well, anyway, here it was, I'm in college and the, the job that God wanted me to take paid less than the other two jobs I was looking at. And that didn't make sense to me. But what I do know, the steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord. So I could either trust the money or trust God. Amen. 
And so that brings me to point number two, if you're taking notes, and that is in in order for us to start looking ahead, we're going to have to now focus on the promise and not on the problem or the process because that's what happened to Abraham. God gave Abraham a a promise. He says, Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless you. You're going to be a blessing. And by the way, Abraham, I know you're old, but I am going to bless you with seed. And so Abraham learned, and I'll show you how he did it. He learned to focus on the promise and not the process or the problem. And until you and I know the specific will of God, you need to walk in the general will of God. See, what happens is some people say, well, I don't know what God's will is, so I don't know what to do. You know, if I really knew what God wanted me to do, then I would do it. So here's my thing. Until you know the specific will of God. When I say specific, I mean when God tells you exactly what he wants you to do. So like, for instance, pastoring. God told me when I was 27, I was going to be a pastor. Now, I didn't start till I was 40, but the fact is he told me when I was 27. That was very specific, right? So until you know the specific will of God, you and I need to walk in the general will of God. You say, well, what is the general will? His word. His word is not going to change. So until I get my finances together, I need to walk in the general will of God that says I need to bring the tithe into the storehouse. I mean, y'all with me on that? Until, listen, until God sends a specific mate into my life, if you're single, until he does that, you're going to walk in the general will of God and you're not going to do three things. Fornicate. Oh, okay, so, so... Okay, so maybe all the single people are watching me through the lens. See, the general will of God. Now, some people say, well, you know, you got the permissive will of God. And the, no, no, there is no permissive will of God. There is a, it, it's the will of God, period, right? Permissive is when he lets, lets us do stuff we want to do. And God may not agree with our decisions, but he accepts them because he's given us that free will to do that, right? So until you know the specific will of God, you walk in the general will of God. And the general will of God is his word. He's never going to ask us to do something that contradicts his word. And this is what Abraham did or Abram did. God gave him a word. God gave him a promise. And that's what he focused on. Romans chapter 4 verse 19. Let's look at this real quick. Romans 4 19. I want you to think about this. Abraham didn't have a Bible like we have. See, at least we have a Bible to have guidelines for, you know, God's heart and his ways and his thinking. They didn't have that. They were the Bible being written at the time. So here it is, Romans 4.19. It's the New Testament perspective or of what Abraham did over there in Genesis. He says, and being not weak in faith. Okay, so let me just stop there and just say this. It is possible to be weak in your faith. Amen. How many have ever been weak in your faith before? Let me see. Yeah. What, what, what does that mean? Weak, weak in your faith just means that uh, you, you're, um, your spiritual muscle called faith, uh, the problem that you're lifting, it doesn't have, uh, it's beyond the weight limit. So like right now, if I were to go into the gym and start picking up weights, I would have to start with the bar with no weights on it. The bar, no weights. How much, how how much does the bar weigh? Does anybody? How much? Five pounds? Oh, I couldn't start with the bar then. I couldn't start with the bar. I I would have to start with, uh, uh, let me think, uh, a dumbbell. 
the little ones. Right? He was, it says, not being weak in faith. Watch what Abraham did. He considered not his own body to being dead. He was, when he was about 100 years old, neither, watch this, neither did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, here's how he did it. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. But he was strong in faith, I said this last week, giving glory to God. So one of the ways that Abraham was able to look from where he was to watch this focus on the promise of what God said, he staggered not. He didn't stagger a lot. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. And then verse 21 says, and being fully persuaded that he, God, who had promised God was able to perform it. Abraham was able to look from where he was. He was childless. He was homeless. He, God says, okay, this is where I'm taking you. So he started looking from where he was to where the promise was. And he did that, watch this, without staggering. Now, I asked this question last week. I'm going to ask again. How many have been drunk before? Let me see your hand. Anybody been drunk before? Now, how, I mean, have you been sloppy drunk where you know you staggering and stuff? Yeah, that kind of drunk, right? The kind of drunk that you don't know how you got home. That's what Abraham did not do with his faith. Now, let me show you what staggering faith looks like. Matthew chapter 14, verse 21 or 22. Matthew 14. Let me show you what staggering faith looks like. So that way, when you leave today and I say, hey, look from where you are. I, I know you don't have a job right now. I know they've laid you off. Don't look from the jobless situation. I need you to look from looking to. In other words, he said he will supply all of my needs. Watch this. Listen, here's a revelation. You don't need a job for God to meet your needs. Oh, you didn't get that. You don't, listen, God is not codependent on your job. I mean, he does give us jobs. The Bible says we work. We really work for seed. And, but, but, and he gives us work. I mean, he gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife. And I would recommend that woman of God. If you're dating someone, he does not have a job. Give him a rain check. And don't just say, hey, check with me next week. No, 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 no. He needs to be on that job for a while. So tell him to check in with you in 8 to 12 months. Eight. See, I said it last week, but I'm going to throw it in for the men now. The Bible says, a man who finds a wife finds a good thing. So a lady should be a wife before she gets married. Yeah, you know, I didn't say you perform the activities of a wife. I didn't say that. I said be one. Well, what is a wife? A, a wife is someone who's confident. A wife is someone who knows that they are a good thing. Because when you know you are a good thing, you just will not accept anybody's situation. But just like a man should be looking for a wife, a, a woman should be looking for a man, not a boy. It didn't say a, um, um, a boy who finds a wife finds a good thing. It said a what? A man. So listen, uh, woman, woman of God. 
Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I act like a child, I thought like a child. He said, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. If all he does is play video games all day, that's what boys do. Okay, this is not popular. Let me keep going here. Not good. Okay, Matthew 14. I wasted 10 minutes on that. Matthew 14, it says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship, to go before him on the other side. Verse 23, And when he, Jesus, had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Watch verse 24, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the winds, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth night of the, uh, fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear, verse 27. But straightway Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it's you, Bid me to come on to the water with you. In verse 29, he says, come. And so when Peter was come down out of the ship, what did he do? What did he do? What did he do at home? Come on, type it in the comment section. What did he do? The Bible says that he did what? He walked on the water. Verse 29, uh, verse 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous he was afraid beginning to sink he cried lord save me and immediately jesus stretched his, his hand and called him and says listen oh you of little faith where did you doubt now i told you i was going to paint you a picture of what staggering faith looks like this is what it looks like staggering faith looks like this god tells us to do something we step out to start doing it and then we allow what we see to change our mind so here's a take-home thought that i want you to think about here's a take-home thought if doubt made Peter sink, then faith is what kept him afloat. I'm going to say that again. If doubt is what made Peter sink, then faith is what made him stay afloat. And so, listen, okay, this is heavy. You don't have a money problem. You don't have a job problem. You don't have a relationship problem. You don't have a child problem. You don't have a school problem. You don't have a tuition problem. You don't, no, you know what? We have a faith problem. Had Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, watch this, who is the word or the promise, which is what we're talking about, he would have never sunk. And so you and I, we must decide what is going to be our consistent focus. If we're going to go from, if we're going to look from here and keep our eyes, on, our eyes on the promise, then you and I must decide what is going to be our consistent focus. Colossians 3, uh, as we get ready to close here, Colossians 3, 1 says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Verse 3, For you are dead and your life is here with Christ. If you and I allow our minds to think about two things, that are opposed to each other, guess what's going to happen? They will always produce doubt. If you try to think about two things that are opposed to each other, oh, I'm healed, or oh, I feel sick, oh, I'm broke, or oh, I'm prosperous. See, those are two opposing thoughts. 
When you allow your mind to have two opposing thoughts, what ends up happening is doubt is produced. And James chapter 1 verse 5 tells us, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who will give to all men. Verse 6 says, but let him, let her, let us ask in faith, watch this, nothing wavering. So when you and I ask God one thing and then we don't or we, we, oh, Lord, I don't know. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I don't know. See, that's called staggering. That's called wavering. He says in verse 6, let him ask in faith. Nothing wavers. So he that waves is like the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Verse 7 says this, but let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Here's the, word, the part I wanted you to see. He says a double-minded man is unstable. So the only way we're going to be able to look from where we are to look to where we're going, we cannot have two opposing thoughts. So watch this now. Here's the equation. Doubt plus faith equals inconsistency. If you're inconsistent in something, if you're inconsistent in believing something, it's only because you got doubt and faith operating at the same time. And so for us to consistently focus on the promise, we must now have single vision. So here's the last point as we close. Point number three. If we're going to look from where we are and focus on where we're going, if we're going to have a better attitude in 2021, we must let go and trust God. Because God can't fix a problem he don't have. Uh, most people, when they cast their care upon the Lord, they don't throw it. They cast it like it's a fishing line. So the problem is on the hook. We throw it out there. We say, here you go, God. Take care of this. I believe you. I love you. Oh, God, you're so good. I praise you. Oh, you did it for my co-worker. I know you're going to do it for me, God. And then time goes by, a week, and we ain't seeing God do nothing. So we slowly start reeling it in because we really want to check to see if it's still on the hook. See, if you fish, anybody fishes in here, you got fishermen, sometimes if, you know, if, the, if ain't nothing hit your, your line for a long time, you, you reel it back in to see if, if, it, if something took your bait. Well, see, that's how it is. So what happens is, we don't see God work. We don't see God move. But see, the Bible says it's through faith and patience we get the promises. Some things, I'm sorry, are only going to come if you're just patient. Amen. And so what happens? We start reeling in and next thing you know, God don't have that problem. We got it. And that's why it says be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. The New Living Translation of Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You cannot go in two directions at the same time. Either you're going to trust God or you're going to trust you. Either you're going to believe God or you're going to believe your circumstances. Either you're going to trust God and give it to him fully or you're going to reel in the problem. And I see a lot of people with their prayers on the fishing line and they slowly reeling it in. And we call that, oh, I'm just concerned. 
I'm, I'm, I'm not worried. I'm just, I'm just concerned about my kids. No, you're not. You worried. You worried. Well, I, I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And here's the beautiful thing. As I close right here, here's the beautiful thing. You don't have to know what God's going to do as long as you know the God who's going to do it. Did you get that? You don't have to know what God is going to do if you know the God who can do it. And I believe God is trying to rid us of worry and stress because it will eventually break your body down. So with every head bowed, even at home, with every head bowed, every eye closed, the scripture said, cast your care upon the Lord because he cares for you. There are some people watching me. There are some people in this room. It's time to cast the care upon God and then cut the line. Give it to him once and for all. And when you find yourself worrying about it, instead of worrying, it said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Watch this, with thanksgiving. Instead of worrying now, because now God has it, what you're going to do is thank him for solving it. Father, right now, I thank you for the word that it's fallen on good ground. And it is going to produce 36 and 100 fold return in our lives. Lord, only you can adjust our hearts to get in a position to trust. And so, Lord, your word says, lay aside every weight and every sin that may easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. So, Lord, today, those who are watching and those who are listening, I hear the Lord saying, cast it. Cast it. Somebody's thinking, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Cast it. He says, I can do my job if you'll do yours. Your job is to cast it. Your job is to give it to me. Your job is to, uh, is to submit that thing over to me. And he says, my job is to solve it. And if you'll do your job, he says, I'll do mine. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's somebody watching me, and your car broke down this week. And here's what's interesting. God's been trying to get you a new car this whole year. You have been refusing. And now it's to the point where the repair on the car is more than what the car is worth. And God is saying, the same, I'm the same God. I'm talking to somebody right now. I'm the same God that helped you pay off your last car. I can be the same God to help you pay off the one that you need to get. I don't know who you are. The Lord is saying, go and do it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's somebody watching me or in the building. You're behind on your mortgage. And you're trying to work it out yourself. And that's not bad. But the Lord is saying, can you invite me into it? 
Can you invite me in? The scripture says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and we shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. Here's my question. Who have you asked for help? He said, well, I've, I've asked the Lord. Yeah, but who else outside the Lord? Because the Lord uses people. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. With every head still bowed, if you're here or if you're watching and you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Because if you're not 100% sure you'd go to heaven,